watch the videos for parts 1 through 6 and are following along in your Bible through 1 Corinthians. One of the benefits of doing a video series like this is that whether you have been attending the in-person Bible studies or are following along with your small group at home or online, we can come back and revisit the discussion. You can take this series and use it at any time as a guide for a short-term small group or Bible study. Lord willing, we'll take what we've learned in this series and share it with others as we grow together. Now let's begin our final session in our series, Part 7, The Love of Christ. In chapter 16, Paul concludes his letter with what seems on the surface to be pretty ordinary, practical instructions to the church. However, looking at the functions and network of church relationships that Paul describes, we see a broader pastoral context to his letter and the outworking of his theological writing. First, he addresses taking up a collection to bring as a gift to the saints in Jerusalem. In Greek, the word saints is hagios, which means holy, sacred, or set apart for or by God. This word is used across the New Testament to describe the believer in Christ. So Paul reminds the Corinthians of their connection to the larger body of Christ outside of Corinth. And by directing their attention to the connection to other believers, he brings the Corinthians back to his greeting in the beginning of the letter, in which he referred to them as the church of God, sanctified in Christ Jesus that is in Corinth, called to be saints, together with all of those who name the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in every place, their Lord and ours. Yes, even the church in Corinth Paul called sanctified, despite all the messed up issues they were dealing with. And of course, Corinth wasn't the only church, but one of many fighting for survival in Christianity's infancy. Paul's calling them to not only remember their brothers and sisters outside of Corinth, but to also serve them and to be mindful of the challenges they too might be facing. This is the practical application of what Paul wrote in chapter 12, verse 26. God composed the body by giving more abundant honor to the part which lacked it, in order that there not be division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer together. If a member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This points to the example set by Christ as we give of ourselves, not simply because it's helpful, but because it unites us. All believers are of one body that is Christ's and share concern for each other. His body is not bound by geography, nor is it bound by time, as we're all part of God's family, past, present, and future. Next, Paul explains his travel plans and details what he'll be doing when he's on his way to Corinth. Although his travel itinerary is his intention, he specifically states that he'll stay with the Corinthians for some time, but only if the Lord permits. He mentions that a wide door for effective work has opened, and Paul is not too naive or spiritually immature to realize that he's on God's schedule and not his own, especially considering that he understands God is at work through all the nations. The kingdom of God is advancing, and he wants to be a part of it. Paul told the Corinthians in the, in the onset of his letter that he came to them in the Spirit of God, and this same Spirit is directing Paul's footsteps and building up the church in his wake. In part four of our series, Michael talked about liminal space. We see this space in Paul's description of his journey, and we know from history that the world was and is on the threshold of change, at the intersection of what was and what will be. This intersection, this liminal space, is also where the everyday circumstances meet the extraordinary. This is where theology and practicality meet. This is where we find ourselves even today. Why do we do the things we do? 
If you aren't already asking yourself that regularly, you may want to consider taking that on. Why do we give? Why do we meet? Why do we study? Why do we work? Is it purely for the sake of routine, a matter of just checking off boxes as we go through our days? Or is there something greater? Well, I'm pleased to tell you, and it should be no surprise, that there's not only something greater, but someone. Someone who unites us, someone who gives us purpose and passion, someone who truly has our best interests in mind, someone who loves us. And the love of Christ ought to flow through us daily, even moment by moment. This love manifests as we live for him, and by his grace, we live for each other. Clearly, this is easier said than done, but it's not a fantasy either. It takes practice, patience, and perseverance. Most importantly, the first step is preparation, a simple mental exercise of asking why we do what we do. The power of the cross is amazing for salvation, and that salvation is not only for the moment we're saved, but for every moment into eternity. In a sense, we are no doubt saved, but we're also being saved continually. To be clear, once you've believed in Jesus for eternal life, it's yours forever, as it's a gift from God, never to be taken away. But the power of the cross is there for us not just for a moment in time, but for all moments in time. To remember who Jesus is and what he has done. Imagine if throughout your day, this love was on your mind. Would it change the way you live? I believe this is what's on Paul's mind when he draws his letter to a close. In verse 13, he says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. If he says be watchful, that means we have to be alert, for there's a real possibility that we could be asleep at the wheel. We must stand firm in the faith because it's also possible to have your faith shaken. Remember, our foundation is Christ and he can never be shaken. We must be strong and act like men, but not like men of the world, but men of the word. Men and women of Christ, whatever we do in every situation, whether we're thriving or just surviving, love is our ultimate example and ethic. As we engage each other, regardless of the circumstances around us, the love of Christ is our mission objective, because his love is not for us only, but for all who call on his name. And Paul ends the letter by saying, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you in Christ Jesus. May his grace and love be what defines and propels us. Although this is our last session, it's certainly not an exhaustive study on Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There is so much in this letter, and in God's word, that even in eternity will never plumb the depths of Scripture. I pray that you continue to study your Bible get together with others, and grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for watching, and God bless you.